this is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a five-part conversation with K2 Intelligence Finn on navigating an increasingly complex sanctions landscape. This podcast series is sponsored by K2 Intelligence Finn. In this conversation, I'm joined by Adam Frey. Adam is a managing director at K2 Intelligence Finn, working across both financial crimes, risk, and compliance, investigations, and disputes practices. As a key member of the firm's independent consultant team, at the direction of federal, state, and international regulators, he works to monitor and assess global financial institutions' compliance with AML and OFAC enforcement actions and related consent orders. Frey helps K2 Finn's intelligence reviews of institutions, BSA, and AML sanctions programs. He helps clients mitigate risk associated with litigation, alleged misconduct, to ensure their anti-corruption and international financial sanctions policies and procedures. Also, Eric Lorber, who is the vice president at K2 Intelligence Finn, where he advises global financial institutions on issues related to sanctions and AML and combating financing for the terrorist compliance. Prior to joining K2 Intelligence, Fannie was senior advisor to the Undersecretary of Terrorism and Financial Intelligence at the U.S. Department of Treasury, where he provided strategic guidance on U.S. sanctions, AML, and CFT policies. He's previously worked at Gibson, Dunn, and Crutcher, where he advised clients on the areas of international trade and compliance. In this series, we will take a look at the current landscape. In episode two, building sanctions into your compliance program. Three, so you think you violated a sanctions breach, what happens next? Four, a new exposure for corporates and shipping space. And conclude with what's down the road. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox back for episode two of our five-part series. Today, I have with me Adam Frey. Adam, um, I wanted to visit with you about building sanctions into a compliance program. So first of all, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Uh, thanks for having me, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to our, our conversation. Um, Adam, one of the, I think, still ongoing questions in compliance is where does a sanctions program fit into a larger organization, and who is responsible for sanctions awareness and enforcement? What are your thoughts or, or perhaps what you consider best practices on that question? Uh, thanks, Tom. That's a, that's a great question. And, you know, obviously it depends a little bit on the, the size of the organization. I'll focus, as you said, on uh, a larger organization for now. Um, and I want to break it down a little bit further into, um, you know, where, where it fits, uh, who is responsible for awareness and enforcement? Because I think there are slightly different questions. Um, in terms of where a sanctions program fits in the larger organization, typically uh, it'll be part of the financial crimes compliance team, uh, sometimes also known as financial security compliance team within a larger compliance department or, or, or unit. Um, sometimes, depending on the organization, it'll be a dedicated sanctions team within the FCC unit. Other times, it, it may uh, be a little bit more of a crossover between multiple FCC topics, so AML, uh, anti-bribery, corruption, that kind of thing. Uh, and then, obviously, it works closely with uh, KYC compliance teams since the underlying uh, know-your-customer information is such a critical component of ensuring sanctions compliance. Uh, and then in that structure, you know, the FCC team will report up ultimately to the chief compliance officer of the organization. Um, in terms of responsibility, you know, 
at the end of the day, it's really every person in the organization is responsible for being aware of and owning their own sanctions risk of their activity or their job function. Uh, it, it can't just be a compliance priority. Um, in this way, the, the goal is really for the, the first line of defense to internalize the importance and the need for uh, sanctions compliance and the sanctions risk uh, in the same way that they do for credit risk and, and they, every other type of operational risk that they own. Um, it, tone from the top, or, or let's call it tone from the management, is really critical in this regard. Uh, and it's something that every regulator that we've worked with has been focused on uh, in, in all of our engagements. And, and what that means, uh, you know, it, it, the phrase means is really that the importance of sanctions compliance is communicated to the first line of defense and throughout the entire organization from the highest levels of, of the organization, from the CEO to the senior business leaders and all the way down to really enforce that it's not just a compliance issue. Uh, it also means that the compliance department is empowered to enforce the sanctions compliance program throughout the organization, um, including, and, and I'd say even especially if uh, violations or potential violations uh, involve, you know, significant drivers of revenue or, or top business units. Um, and, and so I think that's in terms of responsibility, uh, where it really sits is with everybody, and it has to be driven from the top down. Um, and last but certainly not least, the, the third aspect is awareness uh, of the risk. And, and that's really where it comes down to targeted risk-based training uh, on the sanctions risk. It, it shouldn't be one size fits all for the organization. It really should be tailored to the, the exposure and the risk level of the activity or, or job function. And the people who are exposed to more risk should get more uh, experience, more uh, nuanced and um, detailed training than you know your, your typical awareness training that should be the baseline that everybody should have. Adam, you've uh, phrased a couple of uh, points in there I wanted to pick up on because I haven't quite heard them phrased that way before. The first one was that uh, each employee should be responsible for their own financial risk or at least the risk they're managing. Uh, that is really an interesting way to consider not simply the uh, management of risk and the assessment of risk, but also actually managing that risk down to the individual employee level. Is that something you feel like is is possible with enough training and commitment? Uh, great question, Tom. And, and I think that it is. You know, I I, I've come to think of the analogy a lot like uh, credit risk. Uh, I, I think that over time uh, at these organizations, and I guess speaking in particular about financial institutions, um, you know, the, the idea of credit risk has really been internalized by the business. They understand that, you know, if it's a bad credit risk, uh, it, they are going to own the responsibility for that. And they, they really make sure that they, they're only taking, you know, uh, within the risk appetite of the firm, um, and they are going to own uh, the deal. And I think the same can be true of compliance uh, sanctions risk and, and other compliance risks over time with the training, with the awareness, uh, and with the practice. If I could now turn to something I think is extraordinarily relevant at this point in time, which is compliance is consistently under pressure to cut costs, and that pressure may be even greater now. 
how can smaller institutions uh, still have an effective compliance program or financial compliance uh, program, given kind of where we are now, uh, overlaid with the, the consistent pressure to cut costs? That That is a, a consistent pressure. And, and, and you know, just before I get to the, the crux of it, let me just say, I think it's important to emphasize organizations really have to resist the urge to, to cut costs um, right now, even though the pressure has has only increased with the economic uncertainty. Uh, I think that you know the amidst the current crisis, the risk of kind of misconduct, whether intentional or not, is actually only heightened. And we've seen you know from pronouncements and and just media reports that the scrutiny that U.S. and international regulators are are applying ha- has, if anything, increased. Uh, so I think you know the idea of cutting corners now. Uh, or reducing, you know, in an attempt to uh, reduce costs, could really end up adding costs down the line in terms of fines and penalties uh, down the road. You know, we saw some of this following the 2008 financial crisis, where some of the settlements that we've seen in in the out years in, in the mid-teens were related to conduct that occurred, you know, in the run-up to or during that financial crisis. So there there is a precedent for, you know. Uh, laxed enforcement now or laxed compliance now coming back to haunt organizations in, in the future. Um, but to your question about what, what can a smaller organization do, I, I think there are a few different ideas I'd like to put forward. One is cross-training of your financial crimes compliance staff. Um, so this would be having um, staff who, you know, in, each person can recognize and address uh, sanctions issues or AML issues or ABC issues, um, which, you know, one helps in terms of uh, resilience and and uh, uh, business continuity. So if you have staff that are out sick because of the COVID crisis or, or otherwise, you have other people who can step into the, into the fold and, and know the issues. Um, and it also can help reduce the amount of time that it takes to sometimes evaluate uh, a, a transaction or, or, or a question from the business, because you can look at, one person can be looking at it from multiple angles rather than having it escalated up to multiple stovepipes uh, at the same time. Um, second is you know leveraging existing technology, resources and tools that, that you may already have within the FCC area. Uh, for example, if you have a AML or KYC uh, risk, um, risk tool, risk rating tool, you may be able to repurpose it to include sanctions risk questions uh, so that you can use something you already have um, without having to go out and procure something else. Uh, and, and last, I'd say um, utilizing to the extent that you don't have sufficient internal resources, uh, utilizing third-party managed services, uh, which can sometimes be more cost-effective uh, way to approach the issue and which can scale up or down depending on on the organization's need. So, for example, um, you know, I know K2 has has the capability, and there are other organizations as well um, to you know do uh, risk assessments or uh, address a backlog of uh, sanctions alerts or conduct lookbacks um, to validate you know filtering platform uh, uh, settings and perform due diligence. So there there are multiple uh, operations within the sanctions compliance space that you can outsource to third parties if you have to. 
Adam, what are some of the resources available to ensure entities are keeping pace with not only the evolving sanctions, but also the incredibly dynamic uh, economic situation and conditions we find ourselves in today? A a very important question, Tom. Um, You know, I think first and most importantly is uh, make sure to keep informed and and up to to speed on all of the developments. It's a very fast moving, um, a a very fast moving area of the of, of regulation. Um, fortunately, and this ties back to what we were just discussing for the, you know, the cost pressures, there are actually a number of free or relatively inexpensive resources for experienced practitioners. So, for example, uh, the U.S. Treasury Department's OFAC website can be a very valuable resource for information. Uh, it includes search ability across the different sanctions lists. Uh, primers on the different kinds of programs and when they apply. Um, and you can also sign up for, you know, alerts from OFAC, State Department, and other, uh, other regulatory agencies to be notified when changes occur to lists or programs. So that's a pretty uh, good way to stay up to speed at relatively low cost. Um, and then, you know, I think for Inexperienced practitioners, there again, there are third parties uh, that that you know can uh, put together advisories or alerts when there are key changes to a regulatory program or important developments. Um, law firms do this. I know K2 Fin does this. I'm sure many other organizations. And then you also have government organizations like the Congressional Research Service, which can put out very valuable reports on different uh, sanctions regimes and and overall sanctions topics. Um, The second part of that definitely want to focus on is training within the organization. Uh, So you really want to make sure that the training we discussed in a little bit ago is is ongoing and reoccurring as things change. Uh, And so you want your experts to stay up to speed. Um, There are third party training programs and platforms that can provide this kind of targeted training if you don't have the internal resources. Uh, You know, for example, at K2Fin, we have the Dolphin platform, which has a great resource library and also training programs. Uh, and of course, there are obviously other uh, platforms out there depending on you know the needs of an entity, the size and the scale that might be the right fit for, for any organization. Adam, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time today, but uh, I hope our listeners will join us tomorrow where we take up the topic of, so you think you violated a sanctions Um, or had a sanctions breach, what happens next? Uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. Look forward to talking again. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode in conversation with K2 Intelligence Finn on navigating an increasingly complex sanctions landscape with Adam Frey, Managing Director at K2 Intelligence Finn, and Eric Lorber, Vice President at K2 Intelligence Finn. This five-part podcast series was a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network sponsored by K2 Intelligence Finn.